Would you remind us of the gifts that you have given us this morning? Welcome to those of you who are online, if you're just joining us now. You can be here with us for this portion of the service. Um, I, I have a full... I, I have a whole morning here. I, I have a lot to, to get through this morning. I'm going to ask for your patience. Um, but it's it's a lot of really good stuff. I don't mean that because like I'm sharing it or something. It's more like God is good and he does good things. And he, he writes good things in his word and he's doing good things among us that we see in his word and we have the opportunity to live it even more. It's that kind of good stuff. That you know what I mean, um, a little bit of a story. As you know, we've been going through a fast as a church starting early on in October. Um, after we, we had this sense that we needed to pray for, for Tim and Lori and brought them to the front and prayed over them. And when, when that was over, there was this sense in the room that God is continuing to do something here, which is sent here and called fast, called fast. We called fast to pray over Tim and Lori, and we called fast to ask for more of the Spirit because we can't do what needs to be done in our world. We can't do what needs to be done in our families and our lives without the Holy Spirit. Acts 10.38, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, a man with the Holy Spirit and with power. And as a result of that, he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we looked at that and said, do that here. We need that here. And if we're going to see that here, we need to fast for it here. And so we started a fast. And what started as a, a few people saying, I'm with you, I'm going to fast, turned into so many people responding and saying, I'm fasting too, that it, it got to the point of saying, yeah, our, our church is fasting, which has been fantastic. And we moved through the fast in an interesting way, right? We all wrestled with it, capping headaches for so long. Oh my goodness. Oppressive capping headaches that like moved into my sinuses and ears, even like this, this was this was not fun. Um, they call that withdrawal in the drug world. Um, and uh, I have to wrestle through the implications of that. Um so we moved through the time that it was hard into the time where something hard became something normal. And we started to reap some of the benefits of fast, right? And some of you have made mention to me, like, here's what I've been learning. Here's what God's been identifying in my life as I've been continuing to move through this fast. And as we've come now towards uh, what was the end of it, um, there is this growing sense in me that there was something more God wanted. And um, I, I sat with that and prayed for a little bit. And, and then sitting over here in the, the sanctuary one morning this week, praying like more dirt. I have this just feeling that I, I can't quite put the words to it, but it's this sort of sense that there's, there's more to this. And I believe what I heard from him that I invite you now to weigh is the fast should continue. I don't believe it was just for me. 
but it will be up to you to decide if that is the word. If God confirms what I am saying, if he confirms it for you, then it's for you too. I can't tell you to continue fasting. I wouldn't. This is between you and the Lord. But this is my sense that there's something more, not just for me, but potentially for us as well. There's a second blessing that comes. Should we continue and say, no, there's more for us. We've started to reap some of the benefits of this fast, but he has more for us if we lean in. So I offer that to you for you to weigh. Let one prophet speak and the others weigh what is said. Verse 14 says, so you now take what you have heard and you go to the Lord in your remaining days of the fast and say, is this for me to continue? Do you have more that you want for me to do? I believe he's saying yes. But if you say to me, no, bless you. Thank you for joining us in this portion of the fast. We bless you in every way. And may the Lord bless you. Okay? But if he's calling you to something more, listen to what he's saying. Let me pray, and then we're going to move into our message. Lord, I thank you for the work that you have been doing among us as we have fasted, as we have sought more of you, as we have said, we need more of your presence here, Lord. We cannot do this on our own. Our sister and our brother need more of you, need a healing touch. And you have called your church to be people who are anointed with the spirit and with power in order to go about doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the devil because you're with your church. We need that. We, we've started to hear that call. We're seeing it in the scriptures and we're saying we want that life of Christ. And so we will continue to lay things down for you and say, do whatever you have to do in me, do whatever you have to do in us, such that we get the life of Christ. So we will exchange our lives and our comforts for your presence, your power, and your blessing. Would you guide my brothers and sisters as they continue through this path in the remaining days of October and process with you what you have next for them? Would you grant them a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that they recognize what you are saying to them? Lord, I thank you for the things you have been revealing to us. I thank you for the ways that you have been speaking to us in this time as we have given something up, as we have put ourselves in positions of discomfort, need, um, vulnerability, or just a change in our, our schedule and our, in our time so that we might seek you for more of you. Lord, I thank you for the things that that has revealed to us. Would you continue to speak your, your revealing words to us about what it is that you're doing among us, what you want to do in us? What are the things that still need to go in our lives? Where are the places that you're saying you need to go this way now? Lord, we want to be sensitive to you. That is prayer, that we become increasingly sensitive to the Holy Spirit in such a way that we give you what you deserve, what you ask for, that we keep in step with your spirit such that when you move, we respond accordingly. That's the prayer, Lord.
Lord, as we open your word, would you bring your word alive in us? Would you evoke things in us? Would you would you show where your word touches down in our lives? Where you would you please show us what you are calling us to individually and as a church? Would you birth more of the life of Jesus in us? As we'll get to uh, in a few weeks' time, he must increase, I must decrease, John the Baptist says. Lord, do that in our lives. Would you bring increase this morning because we sit under your word and respond the way that you want? Lord, have your way on us. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you go to John chapter 1, please? We often sing that song, Open the Eyes of My Heart, right? Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. You're going to notice there's a lot of seeing language in this passage of the score, which is interesting. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. It, it's based off of Ephesians 1, where Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart and the eyes of your understanding would be open, would be enlightened, in order that you may see spiritual realities that have always been there, but you were properly attuned to them. And two weeks ago, um, my friend Ruma was up here, and he, he meditated on that passage, and he said, what you need to understand about that passage is that that's a key to scripture. He said, what we are to do is to go into scripture with prayer and meditation to the point where the eyes of our heart, the eyes of our understanding are opened and enlightened so that we see more than what is simply printed on the page. Because there are depths that you can only get to through prayer and meditation and encounter with the Lord that he wants to take you to, but you're not going to get there on your own. You're not going to get there in 10 minutes of quick reading and thanks, Lord, I'm off, I'm off for breakfast now. It, it takes time. It takes digging. And it takes the work of the Spirit. We're going to see some of that this morning, I hope. Would you read with me, John, follow along with me, John chapter 1. I'm going to start at verse 35. The next day, he, being John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him, and he declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away this. Excuse me, not 29. Sorry, I should be on 35. The next day, still he, John the Baptist, was again standing with two of his disciples. And as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. Two of his disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them falling, he said to them, what are you looking for? And they said to him, Rabbi, which is translated teacher, where are you staying? Just pause for a moment. Where are you staying? That, that Greek word there uh, is the word meno, and it is the word that gets translated abide or remain. So um, there's, there's more to this question. It's the word that gets used in John 15. Remain in me. Abide in me. Uh, they're, they're asking about it. 
the word John is using is highlighting a different relationship, and he's sort of pointing ahead. I'm highlighting something for you here. It's coming. It's about more than just more. Uh, Jesus, where are you spending the night? There's more to it. Okay. Nevertheless, where are you staying? Where do you remain? Where are you abiding? He said to them, Come and see. I'm not going to tell you my address. I'm going to invite you into an encounter with me. Where do you stay? Come and you will see. And they came and they saw where he was staying and they, they, you know, they abided. <clears throat> they remained with him that day. That was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You are to be called. <clears throat> You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, We have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets, they wrote about Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael come toward him, he said of him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, Where did you get to know me? And Jesus answered him, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathaniel replied, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Pause just a moment. Son of God is another, it's not second person of the Trinity, though John may end up using this as sort of a pun. Son of God is normally a term for Messiah. Son of God is normally a term for Messiah. Comes from Psalm 2. Um, Psalm 2 says, um, God is speaking to the king who is being enthroned. Could be David or someone else. And God speaks to the king and says, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. We see that in uh, 2 Samuel 7 as well, where David is made king. And God speaks to David and says, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Son of God is normally a term for Messiah, which is why they're used in parallel here, because Messiah is king, anointed king. Okay? We're not talking about necessarily second person of the Trinity. This isn't a confirmation of that. This is a confirmation about we found the Messiah. And he responds, You're the Messiah. I'll get into that more in a little bit. Okay. Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus answered, Do you, you believe who I am because I told you that you will, that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. 
And he said to him, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be God. Please keep the word of the Lord open as we continue moving through here this morning. I'm going to be very brief on this, but do you notice that there are three different ways people meet Jesus here? Look at the passage. Jesus is walking by, and John the Baptist says to two of his own disciples, that's the guy. And John points two of his disciples to Jesus, and they start following Jesus. People need to be pointed to Jesus. And they start following Jesus, and then what do those two do? First of all, they have an encounter with Jesus. They, they follow Jesus, and they find him where Jesus is staying, and they stay with him. They're going to abide with him in an ongoing way. Right? They, they have this time together. They spend the rest of the evening conversing. There's, there's a relationship that's building there. This is always about relationship. It's not about come to my new set of beliefs. It's come to the person I have met. Do we introduce people to the person that we have met? Do you relate to Jesus as a person? I will never forget, I've mentioned this before, I will never forget the first time I met a prof at UBC, not Unity Baptist Church, uh, University of British Columbia, that's where Regent College was. I, I met a prof there who had just become a Christian, and he said to me, I became a Christian, the first time someone spoke to me about Jesus as though he was a real person. Shame on us for so often presenting what we believe as a system of belief. We're not presenting a system of belief. We're presenting a person that we know and love. And I had to receive that rebuke, and I continue to receive that rebuke. How many more people would, that you know and love would come to know the Lord if we started speaking about Jesus as though he's the person we speak to every day and he seeks back? He's the person that we meet every day and he meets us. I need to do a better job. So I'm preaching to myself. I need to change the way that I speak as I engage with people who don't know Jesus. So that it's not, oh yeah, you're the pastor, and yeah, these are the things he like, no, no, I know Jesus. So for give you a really practical example of an area where I failed in this the other day, and I, it came back to me later on. There's this issue going on with my brother and his his poor little daughter, right? And I was having a conversation with someone else who doesn't really follow Jesus. And they said to me, you know, it's really good that you have at least your faith to fall back on. And the opportunity I missed was to say, I'm not falling back on a system of belief. I'm falling back on a person who's catching me when I'm crying about what's happening with my brother and my niece. I'm falling back on a person who speaks back to me. That's the kind of encounter that these first two disciples have. They go and they meet Jesus. And then what they do is they go to their brothers and their friends and say, we've met a person. Come meet a person. 
The prophets have written about this person, but he's a person. Can we introduce one friend to the friend? Can we begin to speak about him like he's our friend? Maybe it would change the engagements that we have with people. And that, like, once again, I just told you my failure, right? Like, I need to learn this. Let, let's start doing this together. And, and I would encourage you even, let's stop, talk, let's stop talking about God because God gets labeled as a universe. Let's, let's talk specifically about, no, I, I know Jesus. He's this person. Let's do that. Let's hold one another accountable in this. Those two go get two more, don't they? It spreads, but they always bring him back. Bring them back to Jesus. And what do they meet? And what happens there? They meet, they, meet, they meet Jesus of Nazareth, a man anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. Right? Remember, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Jesus said, I can do nothing on my own. I can do only what I see the Father doing. I can do only what I am hearing. I can only speak what I'm hearing him say. The Son has no power in himself. He he divested himself of that. He emptied himself of that. Philippians 2 says he only does what he does through the power of the Spirit. We talked about that a number of weeks ago. It's going to be continually emphasized through the news. If you missed that, if you haven't heard it before, come talk to me afterwards. Talk to someone else here. Hopefully everyone else has this. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it. But Jesus only does what he does through the power of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't do what he does because he's second person in the Trinity. He emptied himself of those ranks. He is anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. And goes out and doing good, etc. Et that changes Jesus for you. It means that every single time we open this and we read the Gospels, what we have as we watch Jesus at, at work is an example that is acceptable to you and to me. It means that when you watch Jesus work and he does something that's supernatural, that is acceptable to you. It is an example for you because the same spirit who raised Christ from the dead now lives in you. Romans 8 says. Right? It is acceptable to you. So as we read scripture and we see what Jesus does, this is an example not simply of good behavior. It's an example of the kind of behavior you can do as you keep in step with the Holy Spirit. So Andrew brings his brother Peter to Jesus. And what I want you to start doing as we see Jesus moving is asking what spiritual gifts are in operation here? How is the Holy Spirit working in Jesus? Because that is my example that is acceptable to me, and I can learn to cultivate the same gifts. Are we following this? So as we see Jesus meet Peter, and he says, you are Simon, son of John, he may have learned his name during the conversation with Andrew the night before. I'm not necessarily saying that this is automatically um, supernatural knowledge. But what he does next is called prophecy. He says, you're Simon, son of John, but you will be called Peter. Peter means rock. 
That's prophecy. You know what the interesting is? thing is? There are only two times in the Gospels after this where Jesus will call Simon Peter by the name Peter. He always calls him Simon. I had to do a search on this. I just discovered this this morning. With the exception of, you are Peter, and on this church I will build my rock. And with the other exception of, um, I can't take that far. It's not going to Anyway. There, there are two exceptions where he actually names Peter. The rest of the time, he calls him Simon. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. At the end of the Gospel of John, he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, the text says, and Peter responded. And then he says again, Simon, son of John. God, Jesus continues to call Peter by the name Simon, and it says, you are going to be called Peter. Where Peter really becomes Peter in that prophetic thing that, that comes to fruition and fulfillment doesn't happen to the book of Acts. Jesus is speaking about Peter's future, saying, you might be living as Simon now while you're with me, but you are going to be Peter, and on that church I will build my rock. On that rock, excuse me, I will build my church. I want you to see Jesus and start asking the question, what are the spiritual gifts and cooperation here? Because they're the same things he wants to be able to have. So what happens is Jesus meets Peter, and what Jesus does is hear from the Lord in that moment and speak out what he hears from the Lord. You might be Simon, but you're going to be this. Can we start meeting people and saying, and the Lord has something more for you. Here it is. Test it out. You don't have to be just say it, Lord. Can we start fanning this into flow? Maybe the next example. Nathaniel. Nathaniel comes to Jesus and he's got a doubt. You see it right in the text. Nathaniel says, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? He's just been told some good news that the, the prophets, we just found the guy the prophets wrote about, he comes from Nazareth. And Nathaniel's like, I'm not so sure about this. And what happens? What spiritual gifts are in operation here now? Nathaniel comes to Jesus, and Jesus first has what you might call a word of knowledge. The Lord speaks to him and tells him something about Nathaniel that no one knows. Here is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Well, word of knowledge is one of the spiritual gifts listed in 1 Corinthians 12. It is. It's, it's simply God drops something down on someone that they would not otherwise know. Jesus hasn't met Nathaniel, and Nathaniel confirms it by saying, how do you know me? And then notice what he does next. He says, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. So Jesus is operating on the power of the Holy Spirit, 
And this, and he is our example to be followed. What's just happened here? If he's not accepting um, his own second person is Trinity divine supernowledge, if he is, has truly emptied himself of that and only has what he has through the power of the Holy Spirit, what has the Spirit done? Jesus had a moment earlier on, probably while he was in prayer, where while he's in prayer, spending time with the Lord, what he sees is a picture, whether it's in front of him or just in his mind's eye, I don't know I tell you. But he sees a picture of a guy he hasn't met yet, at least under a fig tree. And whatever is happening under the fig tree, you know, the chosen will fill that in. It's a good episode. We'll watch it. Um, but Jesus had this moment during prayer where he and the Lord are conversing, and the Lord is showing him something about what's coming next and who he's going to meet next, and what he needs to know about that person that he's going to meet next. And the Lord does it in order to be a blessing to Nathaniel. Do you notice that? Because Nathaniel is questioning whether anything good, we just found one about whom the, the prophets spoke, and Nathaniel's like, yeah, I'm not so sure. But when Jesus speaks out and says, this is what the Lord showed me, it confirms for Nathaniel the thing he was questioning. Do you see that? Nathaniel's response is, I don't, I don't doubt anymore that you are the Messiah. You are the king. But that happens because Jesus met the Lord in prayer, and the Lord revealed something in prayer in order to be a blessing to Nathaniel. Why wouldn't he do that for you too? We're seeing this happen in the church. I mean, I can give you stories um, of people who have heard things from the Lord and spoken about. I have two just this week where there's something in a time of prayer, the Lord revealed something to confirm for someone else. He actually wants to, to operate with his people that way because he loves Nathaniel. And he wants to confirm to Nathaniel how good he is, and yet this is Jesus, and so on. But this is acceptable to you. But we, it's only accessible to you to the degree that we believe what I've said earlier, that Jesus emptied himself and only does what he does through the power of the Spirit. But if he does what he does only through the power of the Spirit, we have to ask what are the spiritual gifts in operation in Jesus in that moment? What is the Spirit actually doing? Because that's an example for us. It, it's in order, and, and he brings it about in order to bring people to Jesus. In order that, that the fish that you know he's trying to land, you know, so close to the boat gets landed, right? It's like the nets around, he's in the boat. Because Nathaniel's not going anywhere now, he just had that supernatural experience because it confirmed for him something that he'd been questioning, and the Lord knew he'd been questioning it. He said, I have compassion on my friend Nathaniel. 
I love Nathaniel. I'm going to make sure that he meets Jesus in a really special way. A number of years ago, back when John Wimber wrote a book called The Power of Evangelism, you should read it. I challenge you to read it. A couple of us are reading it right now. It's, it, I described it recently as, as the most um, is it amazing, poorly written book that I've read in the last number of years. Like it's just like the grammatical mistakes, the typos. It, the, the footnoting is not great. And yet the, the case that he makes in this book is profound. And it opened up scripture for me because what Wimber's contention is that Jesus, the, the primary mode of evangelism that Jesus does is power evangelism. Meaning, you, you really only see Jesus, people start following Jesus and come to Jesus when the power of the Holy Spirit is in operation, people are getting healed, demons are getting cast out, bread is being multiplied, words of knowledge or prophecy or something like that is happening. And when I saw that, when I read that, it blew my mind because I had never seen it before. I never realized that you know I have been I have taken courses in evangelism, and that was not on the radar. Just memorize scripture, do good things for poor people, live a good life, and be able to share your story. Right? And his contention is that if you look, most of the evangelism that happens in scripture only happens with the power of the Holy Spirit in miraculous, supernatural ways. And until we realize that that's accessible to us, it's just going to be on the page. But if, but if we start to notice that this is acceptable to us, it ought to change the way we view evangelism. It ought to change the way we view discipleship. That, that I need to be someone through whom the Lord can speak and the Lord can work. And I need to be surrendered to, su to such a degree that I will do weird things. And I will risk things for Jesus. I'll say, I think I hear the Lord saying, but you got to test this, but it's weird. And Jesus spit and makes mud, right? Like Jesus takes risks. And yet the Spirit moved through. Our evangelism needs, this, this isn't the only form of evangelism. But it is the form more often than not emphasized in scripture. And if Jesus is our example and scripture is our guide, then we have something to wrestle through. Right? How do I become the person that the Lord can use in that way? Um, someone's developing a pathway for this. Noah, do you want to come up? Um, Noah, Noah called me up a little while ago and said that this whole power evangelism thing, I, I got some training in it at YWAM this past year, but I, I, I don't want YWAM to stay in Africa 
in San Francisco. So can you, Noah, can you tell us a little bit more about what it is that you experienced and why you want to transfer that here? Yeah, so I think one of the things that I've been wrestling with over the past six months since coming back is what my place is here and how do I bring um, all the things that happened, you know, in Africa and San Francisco back to right here and into the church. Um, and so, yeah, I feel like it's been kind of almost since the beginning and confirmed through many um, different conversations with Ben and through Ravi, um, evangelism um, from our church outward to, yeah, the people of Red Deer. Um, so yeah, I've just, it's been on my heart for, for so long now. And yeah, I want to see, because I saw um, people healed, people coming to Christ, um, and there was nothing special about our group there, just like there's nothing other than the Holy Spirit and our love for Jesus here. That's all it is. So, yeah. mm -hmm. so you've seen it happen, you've participated in it, you feel like it can be done here, so what are you actually wanting to do? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I am planning on um, four weeks of um, just preparation before going out, um, building um, identity, hearing God's voice, and uh, personal testimonies. I think is the three things I'm going to focus on. Um, yeah, just being able to to know who, who God has made us to be, so that we can speak that onto others. Because when others know uh, who God has made them to be, then they'll be um, able to receive the love of Jesus, right, um, through that. And then hearing God's voice, um, right, as just Ben just read, um, getting words for people, um, or, yeah, just giving, knowing uh, their character, God revealing their character to you um, is huge, right? Then they'll be like, okay, there's no way this person could have possibly known that. Like, I got to listen and hear what this is. And then, yeah, personal testimony as well. Um, again, like Jesus is our personal savior and he has done things in each of our lives that, um, you know, whether it be like unexplained or just powerful and, and loving um, is important and that's why he's our savior. And so telling that to another person, like they'll be able to connect with that because it's a personal connection that we have. So, who are you hoping joins you? Well, um, anyone here. I am not picky whatsoever. If this is stirring in your heart, if you um, have a passion, um, yeah, to see the people of Red Deer start um, to come to the Lord, um, then yeah, I want you pretty much. And when are you starting? Uh, next Sunday. Uh, we'll meet sometime in the evening. I don't know when you can figure that out, but um, yeah, meeting Sunday nights, first four weeks, um, preparation, and then we go out together. Awesome. You see some boldness here? Do you see the level of faith that is required to stand up in front of the church as a young man and say, I take this seriously. 
I've seen it. It can be done. I believe the Lord. Let's go do it. Raise the light. Let's do it. I'd like to keep reading. Jesus answers Nathaniel and says, you, you believe? Because I said I saw him under the fig tree. You, you will see greater things than these. He's talking to Nathaniel, right? You, Nathaniel, will see greater things than, than what I just demonstrated. You're going to see that and more. You're going to experience that and more. Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. We, we talk grammar for a minute, language. I, first person. You, second person. He, she, third person, right? Those are singular. I, you, he, she, the pronouns. Singular. We don't distinguish between you, second person singular, so you, Christina, <laughs> and you, bunnies, second person plural, right? We've talked about this a number of times. English doesn't have that distinction. French does, right? Two versus vous, right? Je suis tu es. That you to add, you are ill, and new song, who's at something like that, right? So, forgive me for my absolute terrible French. Um, but French distinguishes between two and boo. Two would be Christina, boo would be bunnies, right? Greek has that same distinction, right? And it changes. In the middle of, of Jesus speaking here, he says, Truly I say unto you, you, you Nathaniel, second person singular, say that you believe because I saw you under the fig tree. You, Nathaniel, second person singular, will see greater things than me. And he said to him, third person singular, Truly I tell you, plural. Y'all, truly I tell y'all, y'all, still second person plural, you, y'all will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. We don't make that distinction in English, but it's there in the Greek, and it's there for a reason. Nathaniel. Maybe having a conversation with you, but y'all are going to see angels ascending and descending on the man. Jody's being homesick right now. Excuse <laughs> y'all. Um, angels ascending and descending on the man. You, you notice that you don't see angels coming up and down on Jesus in the rest of the gospel job. 
at the, the, the most sort of literal, overly literal level, level that doesn't happen with us in general. It's a quotation from Genesis. Okay, so go with me to Genesis 28. Genesis 28, starting at verse 10. Jacob. Jacob had left Beersheba and went towards Haran, and he came to a certain place and stayed there for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of that place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place, and he dreamed that there was a ladder set up on the earth, the top of it reaching to heaven. The angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And the Lord stood beside him and said, I am the Lord, the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm going to confirm the promise for you. He gets to the end of it, and he, Jacob wakes up and goes, Surely the Lord was in this place, and I did not know it. Angels of God ascending and descending. What are they ascending and descending on in that passage? I um, a ladder, thank you. They are ascending and descending on a ladder. A couple of weeks ago during the inquiry of the Lord Prayer time, uh, I wasn't leading this. I was in Ontario. I heard about this afterwards. Uh, someone was leading and asked, asked the, often with the inquiry of the Lord, what we do is we start with a question. If you want to listen to God, if you want to hear him, it helps to start by asking a question. And so what the question that was asked was start inquiring and asking for an answer was, how do we become a church where these things happen? And then this passage was read. Mark 16, beginning at verse 16. The one who believes and is baptized will be saved. Um, sorry, verse 17. These signs will accompany those who believe. By using my name, they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes with their hands, and they will drink any deadly thing that will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. And the question was asked of the Lord, Lord, how do we become a people where this happens? This is the great commission in Mark. How do we become the kind of place where this thing happens, and a people where this thing happens? And so they go into listening time. And after a period of time, someone speaks up and says, I see the picture of a ladder. It's not long before in listening time they realize the picture of the ladder is in reference to Genesis 28, because that's where the angels are ascending and descending on a ladder. And then someone else says, Well, that, that's coming up in John. In fact, it's the next week's message. That's highlighting something for his people. Y'all will see angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. How do we become a place where that happens? become a place where Jesus is present and that will happen and those signs will happen. Do you see how God answered that question? 
The ladder is here, my friends. The ladder where the angels ascend and descend on the Son of Man is in you. He, he takes the spirit of Jesus and puts the spirit of Jesus on you. And you ask how we're going to see and how we're going to know about power evangelism. How can we possibly do this ridiculously audacious thing? We can't. Except that we have the spirit. And these signs will follow. Reading a book right now. I'm not sure some of you have heard it. It's called The Heavenly Man. Some of you heard of this, Brother Yu. It's a Chinese scripture. When he became a Christian because his mom had heard some Sunday school stories. Grew up in, in a village in China. His mom had heard some Sunday school stories. But if you know anything about the, the history of China, they, they, they kicked all the missionaries that killed them. And, and so the, those who were still Christians either were killed or went underground. And, and so Christianity was, for a time, almost completely wiped out. And um, his mom, who had only had a few Sunday school stories, Basically, had forgotten about them and continued on with life. And then her husband, Brother Yun's dad, gets quite sick. And his mom one night hears someone say, Just follow Jesus and speak the name of Jesus over your husband. So she realizes this is Jesus speaking to her, gets the family around, and they start speaking the name of Jesus over the husband who is immediately cured of cancer. And Brother Yun begins to say, I have to know this God. I have to know this Jesus. Tell me about him. And his mom can only tell. It's like a few Sunday school stories she learned for a very brief time in her childhood. And so he begins fasting for a Bible. You see how some of these things are coming together? He begins fasting for a Bible. He fasts breakfast and lunch and has a very simple meal at dinner for 100 days asking in desperation for Bible to the point that his parents actually thought he was going crazy because he was that, he was crying out to the Lord that much for his word. I have to know you, you have to get me a Bible. Fasts for 100 days after a hundred days, he has he has a dream, and in the middle of the night, he has this dream where a, a bread maker knocks on his door and gives him a loaf of bread. And after the dream, he wakes up, and in the middle of the night, someone knocks on his door and he says, "Are you the baker?" And they say, "Yes," and they hand him a Bible, which is you know illegal to have. So he gets this Bible. And he has to learn the language because um, he only had three years of grade school education. So he has to learn language in order to read the Bible and starts teaching himself the Bible, teaching himself. They start reading right through scripture. He, he gets to Acts 1 8. 
which Jeff spoke about last week. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Power and evangelism together, by the way. He can't get past that verse, but what he says is, Lord, what's this Holy Spirit that I need? And he starts calling out to God and saying, I need your Holy Spirit. Well, he, the Lord baptizes him in the Holy Spirit then and there, and then gives him a word and says, you, young, are going to be my witness to the West and to the South. He says, I don't know what this means. He hears it again. You're going to be my witness to the West and to the South. And furthermore, this particular person, someone pronounced my Chinese name, I can't, I can't think of it at the moment, says, this particular person is going to show up at your door. Because they and their, their village actually did fast on that you would come and, and share the gospel with them. Yun had been devouring the word so much that he started memorizing chapter a day until he memorized Matthew. And then until he memorized Acts 1 to 12. And he hears this from the Lord. The Lord said, go west and go south. This particular person is also going to come. And you're going to know their name, and you're going to go with them to their village. So first, he goes well. He and he showed up at a village, and they say, "We've been fasting and praying that you would come because we heard the Lord would send you. Will you share the gospel with us?" He's like, "I don't want to share the gospel." So all he does is recite all of the gospel of Matthew from memory to these people who then repent of paganism. And start following Jesus. He gets home that night, and the person that the Lord had told him would show up at his door showed up there. He said, Oh, you're so and so, and said by name, The Lord told me you were coming. He goes with him to his village and does the exact same thing when the place comes to the Lord. He led 2,000 people to the Lord right away. Scripture. Holy Spirit, power, fasting, power evangelism. He was 16. You see where I'm coming? Noah's 19. We got this thing made. Right? He was 16. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus says. There's an entire bus there. But if you remain in me, these sons will fall. I'm telling you, it's coming here. Who wants him? Lord, whatever is with me, leave it here on the stage. Whatever is of you, confirm it in my brothers' and sisters' hearts and show us our next steps.
because we want to see people come to Jesus. We want to see you move in such a way that is undeniable in ways that look like Jesus. We, we want to see you prove your word true. Where Mark says these signs will follow. They will cast things out. They will lay hands on the sick and they will be healed. That we want to see your word proved true. That, the, that these things are acceptable to us because you're deeply motivated to see your world come to Jesus. And you're willing to make your power acceptable for your glory and in order that the world be loved the way that Jesus loved and served this world. So Lord, would you make us the kind of people who will walk in the life of Jesus? We saw it happen in the book. Bring the book alive in us because you haven't changed. For your praise and your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand and sing? I'm not sure if that had been practicing or if, uh, or if uh, you just have the song coming up, but I don't know. I just, I have open the eyes in my heart to, to close, so. <laughs> it's kind of a last minute addition, so. Uh, as we sing, as we uh, worship, just uh, reflect on that we want to know Jesus and we want to we want to see Him and to see the reality of uh, the power of the Spirit in our, our lives and in our church and in our world.
Friends, this is worth fasting for. You want to see people come to Jesus? You want to see people come to Jesus the way Jesus did it? This is worth fasting for. I would encourage you to talk to the Lord about that and what he has for you. If what you heard today evokes fear, we have not received a spirit of fear, Scripture says. But if what's coming out in you is fear, that needs to be dealt with so that we can step into what the Lord is calling us to. So if you're saying, I hear you, Ben, and I, I'm hearing something of the Lord in this, but my immediate reaction is, no, 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 no. There's a fear that needs to be dealt with. You probably need some help with it. So come talk. Right? The Lord is inviting us into more. So I'm kidding today. The Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. In Jesus' name. Go in peace, my friends. Thanks for being here. Thank you.